0: Um, But just a quick introduction. So obviously I'm Angela, he's Dale. Mm -hmm. Um, We've been married for 34 years. Um, We led a church for nearly 20 years uh, in Sydney, which we uh, had planted. Um, And then we've recently two years ago handed over to a younger couple and basically do this sort of full time, but not all the time. So we travel to places within Australia, outside of Australia. We have three children, twin girls who are 31 and a son who's 28, who still lives at home. And we have one gorgeous granddaughter who's five and another grandson on the way. Um, I, besides being pastors, I'm also a registered nurse, registered midwife, and a child health nurse. So I love mums and babies and um, I'll cuddle anybody's baby that wants me (laughs) to. Um, And um, that's probably about it. That's it. Did I miss anything?
1: You can say whatever you like.
0: I do just want to say one thing before he starts that doesn't isn't introducing us. Um, Sort of goes in with what Marco said earlier. When we make space for God, we come here. We make space for Him to do something in us. In Genesis, it talks about like if you read Genesis one, it says that it was dark and mysterious and chaotic and whatever, and then God spoke. And he made space in the world, and then he filled it. If we make space for God in our lives, he will come and fill it. He will come and do things in us. Amen. Amen. Oh, I don't need to hand the mic to you.
1: Oh, I'm wired, wired up here, ready to go. Okay, thank you, Angela. So, yeah, and thank you, Marco and Kat and the Eldership team. Uh, Is it all right to walk away from the pulpit a bit? Yes, yes. That's all right? There's a little zone of the camera will pick me up. I'm one of those uh, crazy preachers who I would like to be down there and I walk around like I sometimes get excited, but I'll uh, stay within the range that helps out the people on the audiovisual. Anyway, uh, it's great to be with you guys and thank you to Marco and Kat and the Eldership team. It's what I started to say uh, for having us here. We uh, don't take these invitations lightly um, and we don't take them for granted. Uh, We think it's a privilege and we just come and we want to try and share something uh, that we believe the Lord's put on our heart and in us for you guys. And hopefully it's helpful. Uh, Whenever I think about preaching, I I always think to myself, I hope what we share is helpful for people's lives, to help them fix their eyes on Jesus and for them to grow and for whatever we can do to help the local church move on. Sometimes the Lord gives me prophetic words for people and individuals in the church and that's happened today. Uh, if you're not familiar with prophecy, simply scripture teaches that sometimes we can get a word or a message from God that he gives to us for somebody else. In the most simplistic term, I think that's what it is. Sometimes you get something that really sits in you. And Mark, the other day when we caught up briefly over at your home, I was just sitting there and you were sharing, I think. And I just saw a, a, a word. This is what happens with me. I see pictures. I see things and I pray about them. I say, is that really you, God? And uh, I've been praying about it. Is that really you, God? And I just saw the words solid written down your life, solid. And I had this impression that I felt was from God that if I said this to you, the Lord sees you, Mark, as solid in him, that you... And that maybe others may equate that with the roles that you've had in leadership now and in the past, perhaps, or your passion for the word, perhaps, or your willingness to serve, etc. But I felt that God was wanting to commend you on your heart, that your heart is solidly with him. Amen. And that you have a solid life because of a great heart. And then I thought of this scripture um, came to mind from Proverbs, above all else guard your heart for it is the wellspring of life and i don't know you well we've connected before we had a big chat in chicago last year i believe that you've done that that you have guarded your heart and that the lord is commending you and encouraging you to continue to guard your heart as a healthy heart flows into all that we are and that we do Amen. solid Good. i think you're a solid man in him we can be solid in Jesus because he makes us solid. It doesn't mean that by any means that we're perfect. For the church, for Hope Rock Church, last night I was awake at crazy o'clock because I'm a little bit <laughs> gently <laughs> three o'clock to five o'clock or something in the night. Uh, I do that anyway when I'm at home. I have issues with my sleep. So we're similar in that yeah. regard and others actually. But I had this sense, I was just meditating and sometimes I do this, you know, 1 Corinthians 14 says, eagerly desire spiritual gifts, especially that you might prophesy. And that coupled with the fact that you can't share something that you just make up out of your mind. You have to really, by faith, be seeking God. Saying, is this really you? Are you speaking God? And that's a whole process of learning. Amen. But anyway, last night I was just saying to the Lord, meditating on Hope Rock Church and, and your name, I just felt, God, is there something you want to say to this church? Like, as a collective. Mm-hmm. And this is what I felt God downloaded into my heart and I wrote it down. I had a sense that God was emphasising, emphasising what should be the obvious that the rock is Jesus. And this is going to sound really simplistic today, but I think it's an important reminder for us all. The rock is Jesus. He is the solid rock. He is the hope. The capstone that the builders rejected, but he's now the cornerstone, the foundation, the sure base to build our lives on. The confession of Jesus as Lord is the rock, solid faith declaration of the legitimate church. In Australia, there's a, a famous band called the Goanna Band. You've probably never heard of them. A goanna's a big lizard. And uh, th- they have a song that's by no means Christian. It's, it's a secular song. And it's, in fact, talking about a monument in Australia that's called Ayers Rock, one of its names. And there's a lyric in the song. And I just felt like God highlighted that to me. I looked this lyric up and I thought, there's something in it. And the the, the highlight highlighted verse in the song says this, you're standing on solid rock. You're standing on sacred ground. You're living on borrowed time. Mm. And the winds of change are blowing down the line, Mm. right down the line. We live in pretty windy times, have you noticed? (laughs) It's pretty crazy. And we need to build on the rock Who is Jesus Christ? And it's important for the church to know that. And I wrote this, I felt God wanted to emphasise this, the rock is not Marco and Kat, nor the eldership team. Not this church in and of itself, but only in as much as this church represents Jesus. It is certainly not New Covenant Ministries International, of which I'm a part of, Andrew and I are, uh, and we're going around trying to help and encourage the church. We're just called alongside to help hopefully in a profitable way. But Jesus has got to have the preeminence. Amen. I was reminded of Romans 16. There's a doxology at the end of Romans. Romans is perhaps, I'm always talking to this part of the church. I need to come over here. I was um, reminded about Romans 16. And when I was a young guy, like, I, a little bit like Marco, I came from this wild, crazy drug, depress, depression, suicide background. I'll talk a little bit more about that later. Um, and when I got saved, I think looking back, maybe I replaced the drugs that I was on with the Bible. I just devoured that thing. It was like I was snorting it or something. And I would sit down, I'd go up on walks and I'd read whole books. And like, ah, it's explaining to me what's happening to me in my life. And I was just blown away by it. And it's like, this is an incredible book. I remember reading Romans and getting to the end of it. And, and there's this verse that says, Now to him, Jesus, he's the rock, who is able to establish you, Paul said, in accordance with my gospel, the message I proclaim about Jesus Christ. It goes on to the only wise God be glory forever through Jesus Christ, amen. But as a young guy from a crazy mixed up background and coming into faith, never having been to church except for one wedding, one funeral, and bang, uh, had this encounter with God and then started learning and growing. When I read those verses, I thought, this is what's happening. He's establishing me. He's helping me deal with all the madness in my life and bring me in a place of solidity as I now stand on him. Now to him, Jesus, who is able to establish you. He's able to establish you. And I don't know what craziness might be in your life. It might be a small crazy or a big crazy, but Jesus is the rock that you can have that can bring stability into your life. And you can build on him and he's a sure thing. He's amazing. So bless you guys. These are the two prophetic things that I thought that I wanted to share with you. Amen. Do I start the clock now? Or? No. <laughs> now. So I've already thanked you, um, you guys for having us. We really appreciate it. Uh, Romans 1, there's a verse that says, Paul says to the Roman church, he says, I long to be with you that I might be able to impart a spiritual gift to you. It's the only time we read about spiritual gift in the New Testament. It's two words together. He says, that is that we might be mutually encouraged by the sharing of our faith. Amen. And every time I do these trips, visits to churches, particularly when it's new and we don't know them, I hope that there's a mutual encouragement that comes. It's not just that we come here, oh, some guru to uh, you know download some amazing things that we know to all of y'all. Uh, I did it, I said to y'all, yeah, I'm in Texas, I'm there. That's all, is seeping in. Uh, no, it's, I, I absolutely get mutually encouraged by you guys, as we spend time with you, and Jesus in the centre of it all. It's just great to so thank you for having us. I want to share with you today a, passage, a preach that's uh, something I have shared a few times before. It's very much something on my heart. I call this sermon, How to Change When You Don't Want To.
2: Mm.
1: Now, actually, this is the uh, shortest sermon known to man, because the answer to that is, you can't. <laughs> So I'm going to close in prayer now. i to hand back to you. You'll never forget this sermon. This guy came all the way from Australia, and that's it. But it would highlight it to you if I actually did that. One day I'm tempted to really actually do that. How to change when you can't, when you don't want to, the answer is you can't. But fortunately, because God is a sovereign God and he's persistent and he loves us and he pursues us, it's not actually the whole story. I think there are some people that really needed to change And they weren't even sure they were looking for change. Perhaps they knew their life was completely out of whack. But then God came in. But God. But but God came. He did something. And somebody who wasn't even necessarily looking to change ended up being radically changed. And that is actually part of my story. And I'm going to talk a little bit about that as well. As a pastor, as Angela said, we led a church for 19 years that we planted. And before that, we were on leadership in various churches, Something that intrigued me was why Christians get stuck. Why they get stuck. In fact, I spent a few years of my life at one point, I would ask every pastor that I met, why do you think people get stuck? And I'd bump into some psychologists, and I'd say, or oh, a a guy I'm thinking of, and I'd ask them all, why do they think people get stuck? It intrigues me. And because part of my gift mix and personality is that I'm a pastor, I love people, and we've led a church and we want to see people come through. We want to see people build on the rock of Jesus Amen. and have their life established and strengthened and you know they can go on with their life in a healthy, productive way. Why do people get stuck? It's a good question. I'm glad you asked. How can you change? The Christian walk is all about change. We use words that are in the Scriptures, things like born again. It denotes change. New creation denotes change. Darkness to light. Death to life, put off the old. Scripture says put on the new. We read from going changing from glory to glory, knowing Christ, becoming like Christ. If you think of the big picture story of of scriptures from Adam and Eve and the fall and all the sin and the OT and then we come right up to uh, the cross and Jesus redeeming us and then we're wanting to become like Christ and then ultimately we'll be in heaven with him and all the sin and the suffering and everything just drops off. It falls away. It's a distant memory. It's all change. Yeah, good. You could say that change is the only constant wow. in the believer's life. Oh. Apparently, I've got some friends that were on a, a large church in Sydney. They trained in Hillsong, which you've probably heard of. I think it's controversial now, Hillsong, more than ever. But some friends of ours that we came through early Christian life with went there, they trained in Hillsong, went to this big church, several thousand people. And not up the front, but behind the scenes, the senior pastor had this little saying. He used to say, it's a bit cynical. He used to say, people change, but not much. And ho, 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 say the pastoral staff, because <laughs> they're, you know, they're all the turkeys that are the sheep. And, uh, but it was cynical. And behind the scenes, up the front, present the gospel is this dynamic, life changing thing. One of my older pastors in the distant past, a past pastor, Angela went to them one day and said that they were having trouble, she was having trouble coping in life. And the pastor said to Angela something like, well, Angela, you'll probably always have that problem. You'll just always be like that. That's your personality. We forgot about the scripture, you know, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. All things doesn't mean you can flap your arms through Christ and fly to the moon. Context is I can cope with all circumstances through Christ who strengthens me. So it's not really good pastoral advice. And I'm not trying necessarily to have a shot at those guys because sometimes this gets in my heart as, as well as I've led. And you think, well, that guy, person, that girl, they're a lost cause, forget about them. Mm. No, no. Maybe sometimes people change, but not much. But that's not what this word says. Amen. And that's what, not why Christ came. Yes, it's to save us, but not to leave us as we are, but to turn us more and more into his image Amen. for his glory. And it's absolutely pivotal and important. Why do we get stuck? Why do people get stuck? What's my thoughts about why people get stuck? I think the answer to that is that there are various things. There are family of origin things, stuff that happened to you when you're young. You get hurt, there can be unforgiveness issues, abuse in your life, it can shape you and mould your thinking, the way you approach life. Stuff that's happened to you in the past, all is like the sum of your parts to this moment in time. And sometimes those sums are not good. And they put patterns of ways of thinking and behaving in us that are not conducive to change. They can be resistant to change, in fact. Um, You can go through pain, physical pain, emotional pain, suffering, doubt, fear, sin, the list goes on. In Scripture, there's two roots that are spoken about. One is clearer than the other. And my observation is these two roots are common to why people don't change. One is the root of idolatry in Deuteronomy. And so the root of idolatry, uh, an idol, is something that we put between us and God. And if there are idols in our life, they can absolutely hamper us from changing. It might be that uh, you are addicted to something like, I don't know, pornography, something hidden, shameful, you don't want to talk about it. And you want to move on with God on the one hand, but on the other hand, there's something in your life that you don't want to let go of. An idol is something that you turn to in your hour of need. It becomes your God. It's the thing actually that in a way you worship, you give yourself to it. And sometimes idols can stop us from changing. People can say, I'm going to church, I'm trying to follow Jesus. It's not working out. But sometimes people aren't transparent and talk about what's really going on. The root of idolatry. And it's a bitter root, Scripture says, that can defile. And jumping into Hebrews, I think Hebrews is maybe um, referencing the Deuteronomy passage. It talks about not allowing, not missing the grace of God and allowing a bitter root to grow up in our lives. And I I don't think it's limited to unforgiveness, but I think it, it perhaps leans heavily into the issue of unforgiveness. In my experience as a pastor, and counselling people and trying to help people come through, trying to see people get set free, trying to help people change. My observation and our experience is that it's usually it's the root of idolatry or the root of unforgiveness. Not always. I'm not going to lock it into that. But these are two common things that stop people moving forward. Sometimes you'll meet people and they'll say, oh, you know, I'm so frustrated with the church. The church hurt me, for example. I've been hurt by the church. You've never heard that? It wouldn't happen here. Um, and sometimes, I, ha- I haven't actually done this, but I want to do this at some point. Just say, well, on behalf of the church, <laughs> I apologise. And they go, oh, if, if they pushed back and told you the truth, that you'd start to unpack that it wasn't actually necessarily an institution per se, but it would be an individual. It's probably a pastor or it's a leader. It's somebody in the church. They hurt you. And I get it. When you get hurt, I've been, have you been hurt by the church? I have devastated by the church. We had to leave a church that we were so hurt in. And it wasn't all their fault. It was partly our fault. But you know, whatever happens to us in life, we have to forgive. Amen. We have to forgive. We have to come to a place where we don't miss the grace of God for ourselves or to extend it to others. Yeah. We don't want a bitter root to grow up. It says In Hebrews, it says it spreads around and defiles many. Wow. Ever notice that unforgiveness, if there's bitterness in This room, in your family, in your marriage, it spreads. It's cancerous. Why do people not change? Sometimes we get stuck because there's an idol in our life that we don't want to let go of. Perhaps it's self-medicating us from pain from our past. Or perhaps there's an unforgiveness issue that we just can't move through. Twenty years ago, this, this person did this and this happened. And this is why I am like this. And this is why this defines the decisions that I make today. But Jesus wants to come and break in on all of that and help us to move forward. How do we change when we don't want to? It's not easy. I want to ask you a question personally. Are you stuck right now? I saw someone shake their head. It's great if you're not stuck, moving on, growing, becoming more like Jesus. And you don't have to necessarily be overarchingly in every area stuck, but there could be a significant area. Well, I want to say today, Jesus wants to unstick you Amen. and move you forward. And we, need, we can, with his help, take the axe of repentance to the root of our problems, the root of idolatry, the root of unforgiveness, the root of whatever it is you might be holding on to that's holding you back, of walking into everything that Jesus has for you. Can I also tell you this? Satan uses these things to stop you fulfilling your destiny. Amen. That is not hype speak because we are called to know him. Fundamentally, it's about knowing Christ primarily far more than what we do. But what we do is nonetheless part of it. We are called to be disciples, making disciples. Amen. That's what we're called to do. And we lose sight of that. In fact, we, if we get embroiled in idolatrous things, and if we get embroiled in, in, in relational conflict and difference of opinion, and ajibaji, Australians call it, like, ah, fighting and, and complaining and gossiping, I'll guarantee you this, mission goes completely off your radar. What God wants for you to do, he's calling on your life completely off your radar. Fundamentally, again, it's about who we are in him and the person he wants us to be. But very much aligned with that is what he wants us to do. You can't separate them. But one does come first, knowing him Amen. and then making him know, and then together. It's awesome. Amen. He wants to set us free. <laughs> we can get intimidated uh, you know, and confronted by someone like me saying this right now, but Jesus wants to bring us into freedom. Amen. I think you're going to hear a lot about freedom when you get into Galatians. What an awesome book. It is for, for, it is for freedom, some of my favorite verses that Christ has set us free. Amen. Do not let yourself then come back under a yoke of religious slavery, is essentially what he's talking about there. But the yoke of Jesus, which is easy and light, radical and different and life bringing, that's what we want. I'm never going to get through this sermon. I never get through sermons, so that's okay. <laughs> I get distracted. Why do we get stuck? There's all sorts of reasons. I'm not saying it's the be-all and end-all of the roots of idolatry and the roots of unforgiveness, but they are major components. Are you stuck? How can we change if we're unwilling, we're reluctant, we don't know how, we've tried before. This can be in areas of personal holiness, addictions, health and fitness, marriage, relationships, our attitude towards the church, towards money, generosity. There can be cycles of compounding stuckness that can get into our lives. How do I get out of this? How do I change? Well, you've come to the right place. Amen. There's a beautiful scripture that's going to pop up. This is the main scripture, really, that I want to talk about today. The others I'm sort of just referencing. And um, Philippians 2 in the ESV, we've got it up there, says, Therefore, my beloved, As you have always obeyed, so now, not only in my presence, but much more in my absence, Paul speaking to the Philippians, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. And this next bit, for it is God who works in you, both to will and to do, that's the New King James, and to do, both to will and to work in the ESV for his good pleasure. I like the New King James. For it is God who works in you, both to will. Now, listen to that. You can actually say this verse different ways with a different emphasis on different words to get some of the components. For it's God. He's up to something, He works. Oh, He's always working. And even when I can't see Him, He's working. He's a way maker, He's a miracle worker. He's to help you find a way in Him to get through and out of stuckness and move forward. It is God who works both, both. Two things, to will. He's at work actually to change my will. He's working on my willingness. Remember I said how to change uh, when you don't want to, you can't? Well, there's more to the story, but God. He can come in and He can manipulate in a loving way he can shape he can influence in a way that's sometimes almost irresistible wow. our wills where it's harder to say no to him hang on yes then it is to say yes to the sin compelling he pursues us he's a lover of our soul i think billy graham used to say that god's like the bloodhound of heaven wow. after us Jesus put it like this. He said, if I be lifted up, John chapter 3, I will draw all men, that's inclusive of men and women, young and old, all different races, colours, etc. I will draw all men to myself. Amen. And that's what he's doing. And sometimes when we're stuck, I want you to know the day that God is at work, both to will, to change your willingness, and to do, what the heck? To give you the power to actually change. Wow. You know, there's a scripture in Timothy that says that uh, in the last days there will be people who have a form of godliness and deny its power. Uh, I used to be in the open brethren church. A great church. I learned a lot. I went to their Bible college. Thought that's where my career was at one point. I was always a bit confused about gifts of the Spirit. Pentecostals led me to Christ. I had a radical conversion when I was 17. Um, but I started going to a brethren church. And then I started thinking, no, I really believe the gifts of the Spirit are for today and I had an ex- some experiences with God uh, that had radically arrested me. And longer story short, we moved out of that church and I went to a Pentecostal church to try and learn about gifts of the Spirit. And then in my, in my judgmental attitude, I used those scriptures in Timothy that say that in the last days there will be some that have a form of godliness but deny its power. I used that to look down on the brethren that denomination that was cessationist. And in my arrogance and youthful pride, and plus I'd been hurt, I thought, look at these turkeys. They have a form of godliness, but they deny the power. I'd never read the context. Mm. The context is about character. The context is about being disobedient to parents. It's about, I can't remember it, I didn't even read it, it's not in my notes. The context is about all of these aspects of life that are sinful. It wasn't about the operation of the gifts, but I equated it with that because it suited my theology and my experience. We do that, you know. know Why am I saying all that? It is God who works both to will, to change your thinking, and to do according to his good pleasure. So the doing of it, the power is the power to change. Yes, it's the power to bring a prophetic word or to pray for the sick or to cast out demons. These things happen today increasingly in Australia, we're seeing that. We had an equip last week where the, the testimonies were off the charts of people seeing people deliverance on the street as they're going out witnessing and just loving people, not shoving the gospel down people's throats, but there's like a, a new freshness to take the gospel out in Australia. And I've never been, in all the years we've been in Sydney meeting together, I've never heard testimony after testimony of churches all over the country where God is breaking out and people are getting saved. And to put it in context, one of the pastors said, you know, we want you to know that this is happening in the last two months. It's been a long time, they said, since many people have been saved in our town. But the power of God was coming and, and people's lives are being changed. Amen. So yes, there is a the power of God to see those things happen, but there's absolutely a power of God to help us break out of the, our stuckness and work through things, things of idolatry, things of disappointment and hurt, and move into the future that he's got Good. Good. for us how to change when you don't want to. God is at work both to will and to do. We have some friends uh, on our eldership team and, well, that we did have. (laughs) Now we don't lead that church. We're still in the church that we planted. And a couple of the elders there, they used to work in a healing ministry uh, near us called LL Ministries. I think it's a global ministry. Um, And so they specialize in, in healing or emotional deep hurt physical healing and deliverance, casting out of demons. And they specialise in that sort of ministry. And sometimes, you know, even I think, sometimes these people, they do weird things. Have you ever thought that? Sometimes it's a bit strange. I go, what? But on the issue of forgiveness, sometimes they would be talking to people. I've had this experience where someone might share something that they're stuck in. It's because it's something that happened with an individual and they can't forgive. And they say, why are you willing to forgive them? God who works on our wills, you see, is God who works both to will. So we're talking about the will part. You know, will you forgive that person? And uh, quite often, if you've been deeply hurt, you say, no, why should I? Because we can actually have a wrong understanding of forgiveness that we think it means letting off the hook, that it doesn't matter, and now we're going to be the best of friends again, despite what they did. I don't have time to talk a lot on forgiveness today. Let's put that aside. But nonetheless, sometimes we're resistant. It's why we're stuck. No, why should I? It was completely unjustified what they did. And then they sneakily, they like to ask people this question. They say, well, if you're unwilling to forgive, would you be willing to be willing to forgive? Ah. And if I was to apply this scripture that, we've been, that I've been quoting in Philippians, would you, you could add this a little bit. Would you be willing to ask God to help you to be willing to forgive. Mm, and sometimes people <laughs> still say no. And then you go, ah, oh, you can do it all day, you know. So you can go, well, would you be willing? she be willing. she be willing. And you see where this is going. I had this experience. I was so stuck in my early 30s that I was one night, one day, or well, evening, I said to Angela, right, t- um... Today I'm a Christian. I've been one since I'm 17. I was about 31 or 2 at the time. I said, tomorrow I'm not one. I'm done. I've had it. I'm sick to death of X, Y, and Z. And long story short, next morning I woke up overnight. I was wrestling with God, remembering amazing things he'd done in my life because he was pursuing me still because he's gracious and he loved me. He didn't want me to go down that path. And long story short, I went to get some help at a place like this, LL Healing Home, similar to it in my little home state of Tasmania. You know, the one where the devil spins around in the cartoons. That's where I'm from. I grew up with those fellas. Um, It's a true story. Grew up in the bush with the devils. Mm, tough times. So um, anyway, I went to this place and I was stuck in bitter anger and unforgiveness towards my pastor, who was a father figure to me, had helped me enormously. But certain things had gone down in the life of the church that I was so angry about I felt like I was stopped I remember going to him one day and I honour him even though they're just being honest he's in heaven now I remember going to him one day as a young guy who wanted to plant a church one day and I said uh, Trev his name was Trevor I said do you think that I should I wanted you to tell me straight should I plant a church should we, Andrew and I go and plant a church because I had it in my heart since I was 19 and now I'm in my early 30s he said no you're not a pastor, you should stay here because you have a teaching gift and we'll use you like that. Well, I was devastated, but I did want him to say it. And then it hurt me. And that and many other things, all was like this whole ledger of offence, this bitterness (laughs) that was in me. And I was so stuck. But God was after me trying to get me to change the way I think. You can't plant a church if you're going to be bitter yeah. and, and rebellious, because, I, man, I was rebellious. I'd talk negatively about him any chance I got. felt justified in my rebellious opinions. And you know what? Many th- can I just say this? Many things that went down were very wrong, but God still wanted me to forgive him. Yeah, wow. That's an interesting thing. He still wants us to forgive even when we are absolutely sure and are right that the person's actions are wrong. That's, that took me a long time to come to. I, I, I had a theology for it. I had a theology that, hang on a minute, doesn't God only forgive people that ask for it? So if, if people don't ask, me, uh, don't ask me for my forgiveness, then I don't have to give it to them, do I? It's like, hmm, that was my theology. Uh, I don't think that's right. I think God extends forgiveness to everyone. It's whether we receive it or not. Jesus has been sent. He's done everything he can. Anyway, how am I ever going to finish this sermon, Angela? I'm going to finish the story first. Would you be willing to be willing to be willing to forgive, to get unstuck, to move on, let God work on your mind and your heart so that he he can take you where he wants you to go for your benefit? (laughs) Shake it ahead. The story, the guy. Thank you, Angela. I did know, but I I feel like it's important to emphasise this. This is not my sermon. I'm not not hardly going to get to a lot of it, but I just, often when I preach and share, I try to go Well, I feel the Holy Spirit. It's the essence of the sermon. Uh, Get on with it, Dale. So this guy, he said to me, after I told him all my grievances, he just looked at me gently with a fatherly, grandfatherly heart, he looked like the guy out of Back of the Future, confronting hair everywhere, but a godly man, godly man. And after I uh, shared it all with him a second time, he just looked at me and said, well, are you ready now to forgive? And a realization dropped into my heart that I had nowhere to go. God was not going to let me off this hook. He had pursued me to forgive, so that I forgive this fellow, because this is the right thing to do. It honors God christ first and foremost it's biblical it's obedience all of these things then secondly it's good for me Mm. i set free somebody said that uh unforgiveness is holding bitterness and unforgiveness is like you drinking the poison and hoping that mark dies it's true and so it glorifies god for us to do it It fixes me it sorts this relationship out maybe i'll get my mind back on mission Mm. a major part of why i'm here How to change when uh, you don't want to. It's a good thing that it is God who works both on our minds, and he can do that. You might think, I don't want to fix this thing that maybe is being highlighted by the Spirit of God in your heart and mind right now. You're resistant, but he can change you and give you the power to do it. The power to do it. You know, I forgave my pastor so deeply from the heart. When I came home, it's like I had a lobotomy or something. It's like the, the the bitter mind of Dale was taken out and something of the mind of Christ was put back in. Wow. I used to be so critical. I, I was an ambitious young man. I said to Angela in my 30s once, if I'm not at least an associate pastor, by the time I'm 30, I'll have failed God. It's, isn't that embarrassing and stupid? But that's, that's, that's what I was like. I was one of these leaders. You know, there's two types of leaders. Some are reluctant and some, they just want it. The reluctant guys, God's guys got to encourage them and say, oh, come on, mate, you can do it. Yeah, come on, will I help you? Oh, okay. And it's a bit Australian then. And then you've got the other ones like me. He's like, I want, I want, I want the power. I want to do it. I'll show them I've got all the gifts. And God really, if you're that guy, you know what happens? You get Josephed. Yeah. <laughs> you get absolutely Josephed if you know the story. He's going to sort you out. There may well be a call on your life, but he has to sort your heart out. In fact, the old guy that counselled me, he said, uh, he wrote me a letter. He said, if you cannot learn to submit, when you try and go plant that church that you want to plant, no one will submit to you. Because you haven't dealt with it in your own heart. Yikes. Sometimes we need straight talk. Amen. Straight talk. I like to say to our guys in our church when we're leading it and we did a men's thing recently, said the same thing to those blokes. Probably could say it on Wednesday morning, but you'll hear it here first. In our lives... Men, women, both, we need people like a father figure, like a Paul to Timothy, who will shepherd us, they'll speak fatherly to us, they've got our best interests at heart, and they'll build in and encourage, strengthen, challenge a little bit, you know, but, you know, it's dad, so he's got to be careful where how far he goes. But sometimes also we need someone alongside us, like perhaps Paul and Barnabas' relationship was. Somebody who will tell you you're an idiot when you need to hear it. What the heck is wrong? You know how brother, literal brothers, either they're in a family, sometimes they just go at each other and they just say whatever because it's, you know, I'll do whatever I like because I've known you since you were this high. We need a bit of that. Yeah. We need a bit of other people telling us, mate, wake up. Mm. And sometimes, like Paul had Timothy, we need something that we build into. So we take our eyes off ourselves and think about somebody else for a change. Wow. And as we build into them. As a pastor, I used to like to go and visit some people that were like sh- a guy that was a shut-in, two other fellas that couldn't read or write. Uh, rough as. that are in our church. They're still there. The first one is in heaven now. I used to like to go around and see them because it would remind me that all the problems I thought I had are not so big. Mm. How to change it? we don't want to. It's difficult. I think I'm out of time. I pretty much am out of time. I'm gonna share three points. They were meant to be like five or to seven minute points, but I just wanna share three things that I've learned that are really important. Three things that helped me, and I can't go into much detail on them, but I'm gonna leave them with you. Um, when we want to change and find it difficult, we may hear the verse about Philippians that I share that's still up there, I see and it could encourage us and you might have questions of well okay that sounds cool but how how how? you got you have what i call in australia the whatabouts you're hearing what i'm saying now but in your own mind you're saying yes but what about and you're thinking about your specific context there's a specificity specificity how do you say that there's a uniqueness because I can't say it, there's a uniqueness to the specific thing that you could be stuck in that you perhaps feel that what I'm saying doesn't really quite dovetail. That can happen. But there's hope, because your specific situation can be worked out in, with, with these three things I want to share that really help us. First of all, if you will expose yourself to anointed teaching. I know you guys know Steve and Terry Barr uh, they're great friends of ours. They've been in our church three or four times. We're staying with them next week for three nights. They stayed in our house on Saturday night last week. It's, it's crazy, eight days ago, whatever it is. Last week, well, last time we were in church, Terry was there, and she said, sometimes, you know, you get up on a Sunday morning and you, you don't want to go to church. You can feel so wrecked. You can feel so stuck. And she said, sometimes you've just got to, like, maybe she said this here, you've got to army crawl. <laughs> out to your car and, and you know when you get to the car park it's like ah oh, you still got you're gonna to have to just crawl in on your knees maybe and get in get into a place where you can hear the word of god the word of god preached the living and active powerful word of god and and the holy spirit partners with the word of god they're almost inseparable uh, we attach all our interpretations to the word you know the word of god is the breath of god it is inspired by him when we are struggling, when we're stuck, if we will make a choice. So while it is God who works both the will and the do, and Jesus says, if I am lifted up, I'll draw all men to myself. Scripture also tells us once we're in, you draw near to God. You draw near. So he gets lifted up pre-salvation, draws all men to himself, the grace of God, Jesus comes. And once we're in, however, then there's a component where we are meant to draw near to him. And the promise in scripture is then he will draw near to us. So sometimes maybe you've just got an army crawl in to a place where you get exposed to the Word of God and the Spirit of God might take just something that even that I've shared today or Marco might or somebody else on another week and, and something of faith gets sparked as you hear the Word. A la Romans, faith comes and by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Context is salvation, the Gospel, but principle plays out all the time in our walk. Amen. If you're stuck, in the land. If you're stuck and you can't move, one of the best things we can do is expose ourselves by active choice to hear anointed teaching. And you can unpack about that a bit more. What does it mean anointed teaching? I'm just going to leave that. The second thing that we need if we're going to work through things and and the what about of our specific situation that we may be stuck in is to be in genuine community. Genuine community. An actual part of the local church, where we are embedded in, and people know you, and you know them, and you learn to trust, and they trust you, and you come to a place where you can share who you really are and what is actually going on. You're what about? You're specific. And we can apply the word of God to your situation and pray for you. And the third thing is we need encounters with God. And these things, three things are meshed together. And I don't have time to tell stories, but when I've been stuck at times, God has come along and I've had an encounter with him. He's probably spoken something anointed to me. I've maybe shared with somebody else prior to that time. There's a synergy of working and you come to a place where breakthrough happens. And if you think about the church in Acts 2, 42 to 47, it's not those three things are the only things, but they're very important things. He starts off, he says, they devoted themselves to... The apostles' teaching. Anointed teaching. Letting God get in to change our minds. Then you read of a community of people who had everything in common. They're in each other's homes, they're in the temple courts, they're breaking bread, they're sharing communion. They were in relationship. Then it says everybody was in awe because God was doing amazing miracles all of the time. So I just want to ask you again are you, are you stuck? Are you stuck today? Maybe the Holy Spirit is speaking to you. He's highlighting some things. He's working on your mind, your will. And He wants to bring you through. Angela wants to share something. you need a microphone.
0: Just wanted to emphasize the being in community is about being somewhere where you can be honest. Mm-hmm. Because some of the reasons we get stuck is we have secrets. And in a community, it doesn't mean you spread those secrets with everybody but you find a safe community that you can talk those things through.
1: Yes, trust is earned over time. And it's quite okay if you're new to this church or you've never opened up about what makes you stuck and you feel like you're not quite sure you can trust them, that's okay. You can trust Jesus, but take some time and find out if they're trustworthy by being around. Then get some courage as God helps you in due course, share and say, I need help. They reckon some of the hardest things that we can say as humans is things like, I'm sorry, please forgive me, I need help. Yeah. And the church should be God's healing community yes. where people have encounters with him Amen. and they build their lives on the rock. and We get set free and we go on mission. We would love to pray with you, Andrew and I, while we're here. If you would like to come out and chat with us briefly, you can chat with us, you know, you can trust us. But we're gone. We're confidential people, too. Um, and you may not like to do that, you might prefer to talk to some of the leaders here. But we'll be here right now. I'm going to hand back to Marco as we finish this. And thank you so much for having us. And we love being here. Thank you for listening. And remember, as God who works, both to will. And to do according to his
3: good pleasure. Bless you guys. Thank you, Dale. Catherine, you're gonna come share that word real quick. Catherine has a word and I want us just to I know that, you know, Dale, that was awesome and you weren't out of time, just so you know. But this um, this word demands a response. It's not something that we can just let go and and so I, I wanna just while Catherine speaks, I wanna just ask you just to maybe just ask yourself the question. Maybe being unstuck is actually getting up and, and making a response. Maybe that's part of it. And so just think about that for a second while Catherine shares. Maybe the key to being unstuck is taking a step. It's stepping out on the water. It's saying, I'm, I just need prayer. I want to come up here and I want to stand up and I want I want people to pray with me. Because I think we need to pray. But share that word real quick, love.
2: Um so I, I feel like it's just confirming um, the word that the Lord has brought this morning. Um, I woke up this morning and um, I have this Abide app and I do some devotions on there. And it was about, do you find yourself condemning and judging people? <laughs> and I'm like, I don't want to listen to that. <laughs> um, I'm very challenged this morning. My heart is very challenged. <laughs> um and this was the verse, and this is from the Passion Translation. Jesus said, Forsake the habit of criticizing and judging others, and you will not be criticized and judged in return. Don't condemn others, and you will not be condemned. Forgive over and over, and you will be forgiven over and over. Luke six thirty seven. 37. Um, and so I feel like it's just confirming the Lord is saying to us, you will be free if you forgive. And um, so, I also personally have uh, forgiveness that I'm working on as well. But I'm willing, and I ask the Lord over and over, Lord, help me, help me, help me to forgive. Um, and then in worship, I also had a picture because you mentioned army crawling. I had a picture in worship of an injured uh, soldier on the on the battlefield, um, and just crawling you know, to, to get out of the battlefield to safety. And so that picture for me is there's some of us that are bleeding and we're injured in the battlefield, and we just need to get to those that can help us. Uh, and so it ties in with, are you willing just to open up to someone because we are there together?
3: Okay, so the Lord is speaking We want to be a church that makes room for God to do whatever He needs to do in people's hearts. It might not be according to your schedules or to our schedules or to what we think is going to happen. And so I'm going to ask you to be a a little bit bold now. Can everyone just stand? If you are in a place where you're stuck, and maybe you're not comfortable sharing the reasons, that's fine. But if you're stuck this morning in any way, and if anything that Dale said has resonated with you, perhaps it is an issue of idolatry. We all struggle with that at times. Or perhaps it's an issue of unforgiveness whatever it is or perhaps it's just that you're just not going anywhere with the Lord you feel like your wheels are spinning can I ask you to walk up to the front right now just come right up here and stand in front we're gonna pray and we're gonna ask God to release a blessing and to allow his spirit to move in people's hearts just come up to the front don't be don't be embarrassed and if you're honest, you honestly aren't stuck, if your life is great and you're, you're growing in the Lord and you're feeling Him move and God's moving in greater ways than He's ever done, that's amazing too. You don't always have to be stuck, okay? So that's important. Dale said that. We don't, it's okay if you're not stuck. Like You're not like, oh, look at me. I've got everything right. Just make space for everyone here. So come and fill up here on the front. I'm going to ask Dale to lead us in a prayer. Um, and then I think if Dale and Angela, if you could just stay and just pray maybe individually with people, their hands on them, cats. If you can also lay hands, Mark, Charlie, just come pray with people, Patty, Crystal. And just so we can stand with you. If you're not comfortable telling us what it is, just say, I just need need to be unstuck. And we'll ask God to give us wisdom. If you are comfortable sharing, then share it. While we're doing that, the band's going to start singing the last song. If you want to worship in your seat, maybe you just want to pray yourself, that's fine. But we're going to just pray. And if you haven't come up yet and you still need to come up, man, we're going to be here. So just come up.
1: Awesome. Thank you, guys. It's a brave thing to make a step. So, Father, we just want to come to you right now, Lord, and we thank you for the grace of God. We read about it, Lord, that we don't want to miss the grace of God. There's a charge to not miss it. And we thank you that you're such a gracious God, Lord, and, and that you do want to work in our, our mind and our thinking, bringing us to repentance. But, Lord, also you promise, promise to give us power to live the way you want us to live. And so, Father, I want to pray in general for all of us in any stuckness that we have right now. Father, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would help us to see if we need to repent of something. We thank you that your word says that you are faithful and just. If we confess our sins, that you would forgive us, Lord. And not only would you forgive us, that you would cleanse us of all unrighteousness. We thank you that that's your word, and that's what the cross has brought us, and we can boldly approach your throne and, Lord, I pray for everybody here, for whatever reason they've come forward for, that, Lord, that you would minister to them. And even the action of coming forward, Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus, God, that that action is a step of faith and that you would bring breakthrough into people's lives.
0: just wonder if you can, and uh, something actually Dale often does, if you can all put your hands on your hearts and just even say to God right now as I'm praying, I'm willing to do what I need, I need to do to be unstuck. Heavenly Father, I just thank you that we all have areas that we get stuck in. Big areas, small areas, Lord. You're always transforming us. And Lord, as we place our hands on our hearts, we're saying, I'm willing for you to do what you need to do to change my will and to give me strength to do what you're asking me to do. Amen.